Hi there, I'm Randy Heckman. Welcome to the Grand Awakening Podcast. Folks, our desire is that we can incline the heart of our Sovereign Lord to pour out His Spirit in power, reviving His Church here in West Michigan, but also in our state and our nation, and then leading to a great spiritual awakening all for His glory. But for that to happen, it's just critical that first we listen to what God is saying to us and that we quickly and cheerfully respond to his instructions in humble obedience. We welcome today Pastor John Giney. Well, again, it's my privilege to welcome back uh, John Giney, who serves as the uh, pastor of Faith Baptist Church uh, here in the Kentwood area, which is a suburb of Grand Rapids. Again, welcome back, John. Thank you, brother. It's good to be here. And uh, just again, briefly, uh, he's originally from the United Kingdom and moved to, with his family to Grand Rapids area, uh, his wife, Stacy, and eight children, which is exciting. In September 2016, he uh, went undergrad to uh, Oxford uh, in theology and uh, studied at Cornhill of a one-year intensive of Bible exegesis. He served as pastor of Fifth Avenue Baptist Church in Rome, Georgia, associate minister at the Holy Redeemer Church in South London, and before that, as a youth worker at Christ Church in East London. Um, He has passions, I love this, Jesus, his family, preaching, and the next one he puts there is coffee, uh, and pro-like apologetics. He's also got a great sense of humor. Um, He also likes soccer. I can't understand why, but anyhow. Um, John, we are so glad you're here. And even though you're from the UK, we both speak English more or less. And you you made it clear to me yesterday that that the original English is obviously the way you speak it. And so we are, you know, what what can I say? We're we're trying to learn how to speak the King's English, right? There you go. Good. (laughs) Well, yesterday uh, uh, we talked or last week, I guess that we're going to be putting these on weekly. Last time that we met, we talked just about how the church in America is, I think you said, paper thin. There's not a lot of depth mm-hmm. to it. We need to make changes mm-hmm. in that. But there were the things like COVID and really some opposition from the culture are coming mm-hmm. our way. And again, you're from the UK and you're familiar with what's gone on there and also in Australia, mm-hmm. which is in a way even further down the road of opposition, isn't it, to mm-hmm. things Christian. Explain mm-hmm. that. Can you can you elaborate on that just a bit, please? Yeah, I, th- I think the issues of, of kind of migration and uh, the political system were, were dealing with this in the, the late 90s, both in the United Kingdom and in Australia. And there were some kind of far right uh, ideologies that were raising their heads. Mm-hmm. And so um, the, the kind of counteraction to that was to talk about multiculturalism and to be a, an open society of welcoming people. Right. And what began to happen was that uh, every minority was was being fiercely defended except um, uh, Christianity. And you're, so talking about in, in the U- you're talking about in the UK particularly? In the UK and Australia. So there's, yeah, a, okay. there's a parallel tra- track going okay. on. Okay. Um, and in both countries, legislation was passed uh, for what was called religious hatred laws. Wow. Uh, and it was basically uh, uh, tyrannous because it was saying that if you as a Christian held to a view of saying that you believe that, that Jesus was the only way to mm. be saved and to have a relationship with God, yes. or if you talked about um, 
uh, marriage being the only uh, form of, of family, family structure, um, you could be prosecuted for religious hatred. So if you were going to evangelize a Muslim, um, uh, you, you could uh, potentially face prosecution for religious hatred laws because uh, of being perceived as not loving a Muslim because you're imposing upon them your, your Christian faith. Mm -hmm. the, the thing that's kind of ironic about that is that if you read your Bible at all, you understand that the motive is never hatred. It's, it's always love. It's always concern. Right. Um, uh, and it's always people's eternal uh, and temporal well-being. And so right. to say that the motivation in evangelism is hatred towards uh, another religion or another ethnicity is to completely misunderstand the gospel. But these things were mm. rising up uh, in the late 90s. And there were a few test cases that, that came out that um, were, were rather shocking and disturbing. But um, brother, over the last 250 years, Britain, Australia, and America have been in an unusual situation, yes. unlike any other part of church history, where we have had the freedom mm -hmm. to preach the gospel. Yeah. Um, uh, and that is unusual. Most of church history, and even now, the rest of the world does not find itself in that place of liberty, of peace that Timothy mm -hmm. talks about, mm -hmm. or, or is spoken about in Timothy, rather, sorry, yeah. um, to, to, to have that freedom of the gospel. So we should not be surprised when the gospel is attacked. Yeah, we I mean, we're, we're, we're an aberration. I mean, we've been different mm -hmm. from the way life, you know, the early church persecuted, you know, many places around the world today persecuted. We've been the mm -hmm. exception, haven't we? You know, but that's changing. It's going back to, quote, normal, which is not a good normal, really, but it's no. more normal. Jesus said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. I mean, come on, guys, mm -hmm. deal with this. But we, mm -hmm. we American Christians, and, and you could say the same for UK and Australia, at least until the nineties, whatever, uh, we said, wait a minute, persecuted. Are you kidding? We're mainstream. Come on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's coming. It's coming. Yes. Yes. And, yeah. we, and I it, think a lot of that has to do with political campaigning. This there's, uh -huh. there's been a lot more of the narrative in America about the Christian evangelical mm -hmm. rights being a voting block. Whereas that is, that has never really been true in, in my living memory for either Australia or Britain. So there's, there's a kind of pro-life movement in America that I think, again, has a veneer of promising Christians prom uh, uh, things of legislation for pro-life. But even in the conservative parties of Australia and, and Great Britain, that's that's never been part of the platform of, of what's been campaigned for. And so it, it, there's there's a there is a different flavor to the U.S. than there is Britain and America. All right. You mentioned the last time we talked is that maybe America, I think you gave the number with 20 years behind mm. where the UK is. I, mm. I'm not sure it's 20. It could be five years, you know? I mean, it, mm. when things mm. begin to decline, I think they begin to decline rather precipitously and quickly. Mm. Um, and uh, again, I'm, I'm just sensing, you know, just this opposite. You, you talk about marriage. I mean, to mm. suggest that marriage is between a man and a woman, mm. you know, as is becoming, you know, you're a hater, you're a bigot. And so there's mm. a number of churches in America, as you probably know, that have eh, kind of caved into that. They, they, their pastor mm. performs weddings between two men, between two women. Mm -hmm. um, mm. and, uh, and, and, you know, and, and the rest of, you know, those of us that hold to the biblical perspective, you know, don't want to make a big deal of this because we don't want to hurt people's feelings and we don't want to be viewed as mm. unpopular. But what's it going to take for the church to just shake itself and say, okay, Put me in jail. If you got to put me in jail, I, I don't hate you. I love you. 
He says to love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, said Jesus. We're going to keep doing that, but we got to obey him. What's it going to take, John, for us to, to, to get real Christians to stand up and do that? Lovingly speak the truth, live the truth, be all in, and take whatever comes our way. Well, I think, firstly, you have to do some diagnostic work, um, because what we've seen rapidly change in the last 10 years since probably President Obama was in office mm-hmm. um, uh, from a man that held to uh, one view of marriage to then quickly changing to another for yep. so DOMA, Defense of Marriage Act. We think of those as being the cores, but they're not. Those are only the very, very rapid uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, conclusions of things that have been happening for a long, long time of normalization mm-hmm. of sexual mm-hmm. ethics and, and uh, gender identity. So what we have to do is, is see, okay, the foundation of this has been broken away for a long, long time. So in the same way that when you build a building, you spend the most time digging the hole and building strong foundations for a right. strong building. That's right. The destruction of gender, sexuality, and the family, this has been worked on for at least um, 80, if not 100 years mm-hmm. in our... Um, institutions of academia and so you have to go back a long way to see why the last 10 years has been so rapid it's not been because something changed in the last 10 years it's because of what's been worked on outside of the sure. church sure. for the last 100 yeah and so going back you have to look at the place of how men were being trained to become pastors and ministers for the gospel and then the following from that of what then came about in training classes and why the word of God was not the rock solid foundation in the pulpits, in the discipleship, in making strong churches. And so go back to where men and women uh, who were on the mission field or being trained for ministry or uh-huh. what they were going into. Uh, and so because of the, the challenge of, of the kind of stereotypical conversation of faith versus science, yes, uh, too many people caved on Genesis 1 and 2. And when that happened, that was the erosion of the Bible being the inspired, infallible, inerrant word of God. Okay. And so what began to happen was an intellectual discussion that moved away from the Bible being supernaturally inspired and given to then being alongside other academic works and being critiqued in ways that you would Mm. critique other books. Mm. But the Bible is not like that. God has uh, revealed himself through creation uh, incarnation in Christ and inspiration in the spirit. Okay. And this is God's way of revelation to us. Mm. And when you undermine those three, mm. you undermine the authority of, of ministry. And so take the first and second world war that began to really change the dynamics of community and family because of men going away. Then take the 1960s of the challenge of what does it mean to be somebody between the ages of 12 and 20 uh, becoming uh, a, a woman or a man and growing up and those things were radically overhauled so that we had things like just as a stereotype illustration james dean rebel without a cause the teenager the angst and then you have women going well what does it mean to be a woman and all of these things began to accelerate and accelerate and accelerate to the point of which we're now in the fast lane of seeing the destruction Mm-hmm. Of, of what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman, what right. it means to be Christian. Yes. And the church did not rigorously equip the people to say, no, the Bible is very clear mm-hmm. about what it means to be a man and a woman, what it means to be married, 
what it means to have children, yes. why children are a blessing. Yes. And so the rates of divorce in the church, the rates of abortion in the church are just as strong as they are in the world. And that to me is a symptom of the root of the Bible not being faithfully taught and lived out. Wow. Well, that's, that's powerful. That's really powerful. Mm -hmm. So do you have hope? I mean, there's been revivals in the past. I think when I think of UK, I think of the Welsh revival, 1904, mm -hmm. that apparently in like nine or 10 months, 100,000 people in Wales came to faith in Christ. And mm -hmm. even years later, they said at least 80,000 of those were still walking with the Lord that, that believe it or not, that revival influenced. I have some uh, data that, that shows that that even influenced Grand Rapids, Michigan, that the Welsh yeah. revival did. But mm. uh, do you have hope that we could have another revival, another return to, to Christ being central and his word being central? Or is it pretty much just, okay, we're, we're done. We're moving down the road to the end times and there's no coming back. What do you think? Um, I think there's a couple of different things. I always have hope because I believe in the, the God of heaven and earth. And okay. I think in a in a moment, God could bring revival uh, despite the church, not because of the church. Mm -hmm. And so John 3 tells me that the Holy Spirit uh, moves like the, the, the wind and, and breathes uh, right. his inspiration of 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 revelation uh, when he chooses to. So I always have hope. And uh, but I, I am always cautious when I hear people longing for revival and longing for something that's kind of just within grasp yes. of God's just about to do something. I want to be really careful about saying what God's about to do. Okay. Cause as I read Exodus one and two, it was 400 years of God's promises seeming to not be true and to fail mm. and God's people being under immense persecution and yeah. horrible situations in the book of Exodus. Yeah. And so I, I hold both those things to be true. God in a moment could send revival to, to America, to West Michigan. Uh, but I also know that we could be in a time where uh, God is, is, is saying, I gave you 250 years of freedom with the gospel. Yeah. Now you're going to have to suffer and go through it until my church is refined to being what I call it to be, which is to be distinctively holy and set apart. And, uh, and so I, I, I'm very cautious to, to say about what God is and is not going to do. Yeah. I don't want to give people false optimism of saying yeah. it's just around the corner. Uh, but I also want to pray, God, bring it today. Bring it today. Um, I agree with you, brother. I agree with you. How about here in West Michigan? Let, let's focus on our area, West mm. Michigan. Many of mm. our viewers are from this area, not all. But as you, you said in our last program, this, this was called the earthly Jerusalem often because churches on every block mm -hmm. and yet different denominations not a lot mm -hmm. of unity mm -hmm. and you know jesus prays three times in four verses in john 17 that mm -hmm. we referring to us that will be believing the word down the road be one mm -hmm. we're not exactly unified here in west michigan are we no and i I think that the Bible gives us certain indications of, uh, the, again, the root that will produce the fruit. And so that comes with time, talent and treasure being shared amongst those who are genuinely believers. Mm -hmm. And so there are sparks of this where there are some churches that you and I both know and love, yep. where there is huge sacrificial giving for other congregations, for other churches. Um, 
yes. where they are not doing it to champion their own brand or cause, but for the kingdom, they're convicted. I think that that's the kind of thing that you're going to see if God is genuinely going to be um, bringing about revival. There's going to be a humility and repentance. Yes. There's going to be a sharing of treasure of financial buildings uh, and people uh, amongst the churches uh, and to, to genuinely want to see the, the lost saved uh, and a use of those resources like we've never seen before. At the moment, I, I don't see that. I see more church buildings close. Yeah. I see more churches compromise on the word of God mm-hmm. than I do seeing um, uh, what I believe would be pleasing to God in churches loving one another. There are many, uh, be careful how I say this, Christian brands that are trying to brand themselves as bigger than anybody else yeah. and trying to get people to come to a flag or a label mm. as opposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're like vultures fighting over the same piece of meat yeah. of people uh, to be involved in our organization as yeah. opposed to saying, what does God want for his kingdom? Yeah. What is the kingdom mindset here? Um, That's good. And so until we get much more of a kingdom mindset, yeah. uh, I, th- I think we're, we're going to still stall in, yeah. in seeing the gospel work. Yeah. The, one other area I want to cover, and that is such a temptation. Uh, here's certainly an American church. And again, I've had this myself is to say, okay, we have, we've hired these people, the pastors, the staff, the missionaries, they're the ones that are supposed to get out and get the work done. Uh, the rest of us, you know, we, we tithe, you know, we pay our money to them, but, you know, we basically have to do our, our thing, you know, our job, our whatever we have, uh, but the real work of the gospel needs to be with the paid, paid, paid professionals. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, that we all need to be full-time followers of Jesus. Um, I, I attended a church. In fact, I was on staff at a church that's still very close to them. I love them. Uh, Crossroads Bible Church. I'll just mention it. And uh, Rod Van Salkema, I don't know if you know Rod yet, but he's, he's, he's a dear friend. And uh, when I was actually executive pastor of that church a number of years ago, Rod said, you know what? Um, for the next two Sundays, don't even show up at this rented uh, school where we were holding church at the time. Just uh, stay home. He says, because we are a 90-10 church. What? 10%, only 10% of who we are as a church happens on weekends, Sundays. Mm-hmm. 90% is what, what you guys do during the mm-hmm. week. Don't look at this as a platform and audience. Mm-hmm. This is more like a locker room where we're the coach and you're the players. And for the next two weeks, we didn't even go to church. We did things in our, with our neighbors. In fact, one of those weeks turned out to be, Marcia, my 40th anniversary. We did invite our neighbors, and we saw people come to faith in Christ as a result of doing what we did. And we started Bible study that met weekly for years. And uh, anyhow, uh, it, it that's what we got to be about is everybody involved hundred percent. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and again, I, I think the, um, we, we use this language still a little bit like the words of a church building where we gather on Sundays is called the sanctuary. Yeah. The reason why is because it's supposed to be the place of where we come to find yeah. um, rest in God's word and rest sure. in God's people yep. to then go out into the world that will, um, 
be uncomfortable for us. And so, yes, we are, we are definitely um, uh, supposed to be doing that. We, one of the things that I'm passionate about, brother, and you know this, is, is, to, is to equip men to preach. Yes. And so I'm part of an organization called uh, wordpartners.org, um, hmm. where we train men to use God's word rightly and to preach it with God's heart, That's because great. the preaching of God's words uh, needs to be preeminent on Sunday mornings. Um, as much as your your brother said, let's not meet for two weeks. It, Hebrews tells us that it's uh, yeah, no, for sure. Commands yeah, to, yeah. To, to, together. Yeah, uh, well, and we got and back what, together. What should, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and what should be um, central at those gatherings is to hear God's voice Amen. preached. And and Rod um, Van Salkema, uh, he he is yeah, I, he Rod's been involved with me in a in a Word Partners group here in Grand Rapids. Oh, Rapper, that's great. So I, I know oh, that he, he believes that. He, he is that he all. Believes. He's the real deal. He really is. Yeah. That's good. Uh-huh. And so, um, but one of the things that we want to make sure is that are we being fed the word Sunday by Sunday? Yes. And are we being fed it in a way that is the family of God? Mm. So not age segregated services where there's part over here, part over here. The, the, the Bible, when you read the descriptions of both Ephesians and Colossians, it's everybody of every age gathering together underneath the word of God because it's the whole family that then go out, goes out with what God has anointed the the preacher to say that Sunday from His Word to encourage those families and those individuals as they go back out from the sanctuary into the world. That's right. Really uh, and the Word of God should burn in our bones that we've heard that week. And as we read the Bible for ourselves, uh, we should um, just have that manner that that Word of God being our bread, hmm. uh, just fueling us to to be like Christ in the rest of the week. I love it. Anything you want to add before we close, John? Yeah, I think one of the things that you mentioned was just um, being pro-life. And so part of what I do is is to defend the issue of, of why Christians are meant to be pro-life. And um, uh, one of the things that I want to encourage anybody that's listening is to ask themselves, can I defend the reason why I am pro-life? So not just because of who I uh, vote for in an election, mm-hmm. but because I am uh, a believer in Jesus Christ, can I defend why I believe that children are a blessing from God? And um, uh, just being able to ask the question, what's my gospel reason and where's my biblical reference for believing that in why I'm pro-life? And so I, I would encourage people just to, to spend some time just thinking about that uh, because for me, this is the biggest humanitarian crisis of our age. Mm. When you think about how many people have been murdered by the hands of abortion, yes, there is nothing greater in human history uh. that has killed more people than abortion. Mm. And we, as the church, uh, should never uh, have allowed this to happen. It should never, ha- it should still not happen. And it, Lord willing, um, uh, there will be the ability for us as a church to defend the value and dignity of all human life yeah. from the moment of conception to the moment of death, mm. from a baby in the womb to the migrant person that comes into our community to the person with dementia that we might have questions about euthanasia for in a few years time. Yes. All human life matters to God. And so please, I, 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 if we don't raise our love for God uh, and our love for the image of God being in one another, yeah. I don't believe that we will ever see um, a, a church being who, what God intends it to be. 
you look at the story of Cain and Abel, yeah. the reason why that was able to happen is one stopped seeing the other as being valuable and made in the image of God mm -hmm. because they themselves were not worshiping God. Yeah. So the, the offering was because they didn't love God enough uh, uh, and they, they didn't value that worship of God. And therefore, because they didn't worship God, they were able to kill the image of God in the other person mm -hmm. and it be able to be something they, they were able to carry out. Yeah. So link together those two things. Your worship to God is going to be as equal to your love for other people. Mm. And unless you love God first, you'll never love other people because you'll never see the value, dignity of God's image in them. And so Jesus summarized it beautifully. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, body, mind, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. That's really good. Um, so That's good. just begging people to, to really think about what that means, not just as a platitude, but as a reality to good. the person you see at Walmart, to the person you see next door. Amen. That's really good. Close us in prayer, would you please, John? Yeah. And so, Father, we ask that we would worship you. That's what we're made to do. We're made to glorify you because you made us. You're the maker of heaven and earth. You are the one who has put on flesh and come to save us from our sins by dying on a cross for us. Mm -hmm. That as you died on that cross, you paid for our sin yes. to save us from God's wrath, mm. to renew us into a relationship with the one who made us mm. and father with a new heart in us we are to love our neighbor as ourselves because they're made in your image too so no matter whether they're saved or whether they're lost we are to love them no matter whether they're a baby in the womb whether they're somebody from a different ethnicity or a different educational financial background we are meant to love them mm. uh, and father we are uh, showing how much we worship you by how much we worship those who are made in your image so mm. father please ground us in your word ground us in these truths mm. uh, so that the love of christ may be abundantly seen in your witnesses uh, and as we love lord as we share the gospel mm. we will change people's eternal goals yeah, that's right. we'll change where they're going for all eternity and we we long for nobody to go to hell and we long for everybody to join into that one song of jesus through that one song book of your bible and to praise your name for all eternity so father please in your mercy hear our prayer and those people said, Amen. 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 Thank you, John, so much. God bless you, you, brother, and your ministry. So appreciate talking with you. Thank you. For more information, go to grandawakening.org. That's grandawakening.org.